This is from James on YouTube asking you, Brian, I always want to know how was Jameis in the huddle on that last drive um, in which I was there for uh, in the Rose Bowl National Championship game. What was Jameis saying to you, Brian, on that last drive or in the huddle? In the huddle? Well, I just remember I must have blacked out for the last drive, but I remember on the sideline before, and I, I just remember us all looking at each other, just saying, hey, like all positive thoughts here. Like we've been here, and good Lord, I mean, Every Thursday we do the uh, two minute drill. We're down. We got to score to win, and uh, we, I mean, we obviously Jimbo's offensive guy, so we always usually won that drill and uh, gave us some confidence. And we've done it over and over and over. And uh, I just remember just being all positive thoughts. And it was he just had that same old wide eyed look, um, ready to go. He was locked in. We're locked in, and we knew it was the drive of our life. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here with another, another big-time guest this week. We've got 2013 National Champion, also Remington Award winner. We've got a Super Bowl champion, too, here with the Patriots, Brian Stork. Good evening, my man. Really glad to have you on this week. Yeah, good evening. Thanks for having me. Great to be on. Absolutely. So what are you what are you up to now? Because I don't think unless I'm wrong, I, don't, I haven't heard like a lot of interviews from you a lot with maybe at least on the FSU beat and that market. But what are you up to now? I know coaching is practically full time for you, but maybe give you kind of like an update after being out of the NFL. Well, uh, I went back home to Vero Beach for about six months, took my real estate license, got that, did that for three weeks, realized I wasn't a salesman of houses. And because, uh, you know, I'm just such a people's person and uh, realized that wasn't going to work out and got a chance to go be a graduate assistant at Southern Miss for uh, Eric Losey, who was also a graduate assistant at Florida State when I was there, when I first got there uh, for the first two years. Worked for him for two years. And then I don't know if you I'm sure you guys know, uh, Randy Sanders was obviously the OC mm-hmm. uh, my senior year. I mean, I only got to know him just for a little under a year. Um, he gave me my first full-time job as a tight ends coach at ETSU. Was there the 2019 season, uh, the 2020 season, which we played in spring of 21, and then I was there for the fall as well. He retires, and then uh, I don't get retained on that staff. Uh, then back on the street, and I found myself uh, at the University of the Cumberlands um, coaching, so coaching offensive line, which is great. And then uh, – it's kind of a small world that this coaching world is. 
Um, again, the graduate guy was a graduate assistant for Southern Miss, Eric Lose. He ended up knowing somebody that needed an offensive line guy. So um, big time shout out to him, helping me out, uh, that, finding my way. Is that something you've kind of always felt like you'd get into coaching or that just come up later on, you know, after leaving football on the field? Or is that it's something you had in your mind ever? Uh, a little bit. Uh, but when I got to New England, I was like, hell no, I do not want to live that life. <laughs> Just those guys, I think they saw their kids on Sunday night after the game. If it was a home game, then didn't see them till, you know, probably Saturday or Friday night. Um, but, you know, if you love the game enough, you find a way to make it work. And it's all about getting the right better half, if you will. Um, but then, you know, as I sat around and I was a real estate agent, I was like, I got to get into coaching. I can't not do something involving football. You know, society stuff out there, been a normal job. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you you played under some great coaches um throughout your football career you know Jimbo Fisher Bill Belichick um the list the list really goes on so just now that you're entering the the coaching profession you've been doing it for a couple years what kind of qualities have you taken away from the coaches that you played under to apply toward yourself it's kind of a loaded question I mean I've yeah it's learned so much and I you know different backgrounds of different schemes and, you know, being around Jimbo, Jimbo's a fireball. There's no question. Uh, but if you get on, on his good side, he'd have your back. Uh, and then obviously working around coach Belichick, it was so different. Uh, whereas, you know, if you said yes, sir, no, sir, over and over and over, you'd get tired of it. You know, it was just <laughs> a little bit different playing football in the North and it was the South. Uh, but all, all the things I learned, you know, in the meeting rooms, during the games, situations, um, how to go about your business every day. I had some great examples and obviously teammates too, um, who I learned a lot of. Some I should have probably listened to more than others, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of great dudes I was around in such, such a uh, short time. Uh, but it's helped me uh, as far as translating over to the kids and, you know, seeing what they're going through at a certain moment in time and being able to, you know, be there for him because at one point or another, I had that coach to help me out too. Obviously, like Rick Trickett, um, I learned a lot from. I do a lot of his drills still because um, you did them for five years and they're ingrained in your brain. But you, you pick and choose and take little things from every single person you're around. I was going to ask, well, I, I got to get rid of the elephant in the room. Dustin is a big time fan. He wore your number. <laughs> In high school, don't even hide it, Dustin. Don't even hide it. But he wore your number in high school because that's true, right, Dustin? It is true. I've, I remember it was either 2010 or 2011. I had to pick my number for high school football, and it was between 52 and 70. So I looked up the Florida State roster, and I mean, you know, it was before you're even a national champion. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, Brian Stork's number, and you know, made it through, <laughs> made it through my high school career, and. Nothing else. So you're saying you wore his number and that helped get him a national championship. Is that what you're I think so. Right I feel there? like I feel like I empowered him. You know, he had a he had a fan from early on and he got it done. Some good juju there, no doubt. I, I, there's a weird thing about numbers. I'm like weirdly superstitious about it, but my superstition is always walking to whatever locker room it is and the number they is they put on my you know in my locker. I just wear it and just make it work. But uh Growing up, I'd say Brett Favre was my big influence. I ended up playing, like, number 44 in high school because I couldn't get four because I wasn't that good, you know. Yeah, yeah I couldn't get, like, a single-digit number. <laughs> yeah. I got 44. It's just funny how, like, certain players influence you to get certain numbers. And I mean, every, Everybody's got a story. 
who was who, who was big in your recruitment, Brian, at FSU? Was it Trickett, Jimbo? I mean, I'm sure Jimbo, but who was biggest? It was James Coley because James Coley, had always, he's at A&M with Jimbo now, but uh, he always had a big recruiting presence in southeast Florida. And I was on, you know, Vero Beach is like the last normal town before you hit like crazy South Florida uh, before things just getting nuts price-wise, everything, traffic. And uh, I had a defensive coordinator named Bill Mata in high school that sent my DVD film to him, which is awesome. And uh, he, one day I just turned around and bull, not bull in the ring. It was Oklahoma drill one-on-ones and turned around. There he is standing there. Uh, I was the easiest recruit ever, though. I knew I wanted to go to Florida State. Uh, didn't like UF. Miami was all right. I always respected Miami for the most part. But uh, I didn't want to go to UF. And uh, I, I was lucky enough. I was like, I committed, I think, a couple weeks later during that spring. And they had, had to hardly ever call me. Back then, I only had a house phone, so they'd leave messages and stuff. But uh yeah it was a really cool experience and i was the kid they brought in during the bowl week when they were going to champs bowl that year uh to play uh wisconsin and they didn't need to bring me in when there's people in town that they brought me in when there's nobody in town just practice going on but i didn't care i I just wanted somewhere to go that's going to pay for my school and obviously a dream school you didn't like uf did that kind of go we i want to bring up to the the little clip there that went viral on social media during your time of tossing that uf player on the ground what's your <laughs> what's with the hatred against uh uf i would say it's hatred but uh it's the strongest like i think it was because i was a new kid i moved to florida from illinois midwest kid moving to florida you know i think i'm gonna make the basketball team i get cut like the first day like within the hour probably and uh you know just a big culture shock there and a lot of the kids you know being a new kid in middle school stuff and i just remember all the kids that were dickheads were florida fans and then so naturally, I, I grew just a dislike. Um, nothing against Florida people, whatever. I get, I got cousins and family that's Florida fans as well. Uh, and even some enrolled there. But just something about it, I was just like, you know what? I want to go to Florida State and just show them. And because Florida State hadn't beat them since like 03. And the next time we ended up beating them, I think it was in 2010 when they came to the Doke. Uh, it was a huge crowd, awesome time. But uh, great night. That was that was a great clip though. Whenever you're tossing that guy, I still use that GIF or GIF all over social media. It's it's very well used. What yeah, happened there? Was the he talking name. trash? Uh, he talking oh, shit? There's definitely trash talked out there. But I, I remember <laughs> I was called some names I shouldn't have been called. I was making scratch your head. Uh, but he just came up to cheap shot me after the play was almost over, and I was going to defend myself. Um, I just got really lucky and caught him at the right time and. Actually, ended up running to him in the NFL somewhere. He, I don't know where it was after a game, and he's like, "Hey, you know that gif you made? Uh, of me? That was me." I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And uh, really good dude, though. I, I forget his name. It's been a while, but uh, just funny. A small world. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was awesome. That was hilarious. And going now, just jumping into you know Florida State and getting there. I mean, y'all y'all were bringing in some talent everywhere. And of course, we, we'll talk about Jameis too. But I mean, y'all were starting to build something. When did you kind of feel like this? Or y'all had something special, you know, kind of building there? Obviously, the staff worked their asses off recruiting in each offseason. Uh, 2010, they brought in LaMarcus Joyner, Telvin Smith, Christian Jones. Um, there's a few. And then uh, if I'm missing some, I'm sorry. But uh, and then in 2011 is when they brought in probably the most uh, biggest freshman class that could play. There was a lot of dudes that could play from 
uh, I forget who. I know Lose, Baron yeah, started. There's a, there a bunch of dudes like uh, what's his Timmy Jernigan. Uh, yeah, Timmy Nick yeah, O'Leary. Timmy Jernigan, uh, Green, the wide receiver. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good dudes they brought in. I, I I'm struggling right now to name them all because I've been through a million rosters since then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they brought in a lot of good dudes in two, 2012 as well. But uh, it came down to a, a lot of those guys just that could play right away and got a lot of experience right away, and we just got better and we kept winning, and that helps recruit itself, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I, I blame the staff for that one because they recruit their butts off. I wanted to ask, um, you know, during your high school career, I believe you played tight end, and then when you got to Florida State, you converted to offensive line. So can you just talk about? going through that process um, and the strength and conditioning program, just transforming your body to eventually, you know, peaking as a 2013 national champion and and a Remington award winner in college, just to make that transformation from high school over those next five years. Yeah. I peaked all right in my freaking weight, freaking belt and the notches, man. Good Lord. I gained (laughs) a lot of weight. Uh, So in high school, I was 220 pounds soaking wet. Uh, In the summer, I might get 240. Camp was over. I'd be 220 again. Uh, it was a wing T offense, just so it's like gap down, nothing's there. Climb to the first backer that shows you block them. Got thrown to three times, whole time I was there. Um, senior year, I had to switch back over to tackle because we just needed somebody there. Um, so I got done with my senior year, and like we went the second round of playoffs, lost to like Royal Palm or somebody like that. End up uh, gaining sixty pounds in six months back home, and I just ate my butt off six days a week, lifted six days a week, just ate like crazy. And I was able to gain show about 285, 290, um, you know, fluctuating a little bit, but I showed up in great shape. Uh, and then after there, I just try not to gain too much and, you know, cause you can get big too quick. Uh, but I didn't hit 310 till probably my senior year, but obviously, you know, the summers were a lot of fun uh, in Tallahassee because it was just hang out. You only had a few classes, uh, we got there in the weight room. O-line would be in there early every morning. We would meet on our own at 6 a.m. doing steps uh, up before they turned into an, uh, an arcade and like a freaking club up there. It used to be a <laughs> turf room where we used to work really hard and put an extra time in and, you know, get things right, you know, prepare ourselves instead of playing games. But recruiting is just crazy nowadays, so they got to have that crap. Uh, but th- those summers were a lot of fun. And, you know, pushing the Gators up and down, you know, the John Deere Gators up and down Doke, um, running the, uh, what do you call it, the Ramson Doke. That was a lot of fun. And then last couple of weeks, we would take our uh, few racks outside, and then we'd all work out in the uh, hot summer uh, heat and just try to get ready for Tallahassee weather because there's nothing like it. Only thing worse I've ever experienced in Tallahassee heat during camp would be uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi at Southern Miss. I mean, that kind of heat's a bear. But, you know, they're relatively close to each other. Did you yeah, like lifting? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, I was Dustin. just going to say, yeah, it's, it's 105 out here today. So I, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but you're not working out. You were sitting inside, Dustin. You were in the AC. Well, today. I went outside a couple <laughs> times. and I was like, man, I got to get back inside. <laughs> no, but did you like lifting like that, Brian? I feel like you had some. I mean, if you were to put on that much weight like that, and there's a picture here of the size that you were at, did you eventually enjoy that or did you hate it? I did like being that big for a while because, you know, I was, you know, pretty strong, pretty, you know, in, in good shape. But as time went on, even though I got the NFL, I mean, I wasn't there for very long. But um, 
you know, that starts to take a wear and tear on your body. Next thing you know, you're bone on bone, your big toes and uh, everything starts to hurt a little bit more. Uh, I, I've lost a little bit of weight since then. I, I've been all the way down to 245 at one point. Man, did I feel so much better. Uh, but that was the only way I was going to get on the field is if I played offensive line, I think. So um, had to make it work and just try to be the best center I possibly could be. And just whatever reps they gave me, I did it and did some more when nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. I want to jump into a little bit of the time now with you know getting that 2013 team and some of those practices. We've Carlos Williams used to be a co-host on here, so we'd always get the rundown. We had Kenny on multiple times, a lot of 2013 guys, and they said really they found out about this team and a lot of potential during camp before and fall camp. Is that did you feel that way too? I mean, you also had Jameis coming in as a redshirt freshman, uh, EJ Manuel. You no longer have. And you're kind of starting to trust Jameis there. Where did you kind of start feeling that this has the potential? I felt it during the offseason in the spring before spring ball started. I felt that, uh, you know, we had a few players, key players, you know, get almost in some crap and come back and not be in any crap no more because they didn't do anything wrong. Like everybody was on the outside world was trying to split us up and, you know, split the team up or like cause media attention to this, that and whatnot. And there's just a bunch of distractions. So that made us naturally just grow tighter together and basically say at the rest of the world, we're going to show them. Uh, and that's what we did. And it, it was just every day, just a little by little, just getting better at something. Uh, but it started in those off season mat drills and then carried into the spring, had a good spring. Um, and we just kept going. The summer, we everybody was getting stronger in hell. Uh, everybody was starting to mature a lot, especially, you know, the 2010 guys, the 2011, the 2012 kids um, were really coming along. And then obviously we had Jameis and Coker. I mean, honestly, during that camp, up until Jimbo walked in the room and announced he was starting quarterback, I didn't know who was going to win it. I, wow. I could, Jacob Coker, I love Jameis. I love Coker both equally. And uh, – mm-hmm. It turned on for Coker, and it turned on for Jameis. Uh, but that's just the way it worked out. And honestly, we could have won it with both. And shit, I mean, look, Jacob Coker goes to uh, Alabama and wins one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's 2015 or something like that. But uh, I, I didn't know who was going to win it. Uh, it was a crazy time that week. And I just remember everybody, just the butterflies in that room, just wondering, like, who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? But I mean, it ended up being Jameis, and he did some things that I've never seen anybody do in my life before. Um, as far as, he's like Houdini back there in the pocket. He made us look good. Coach Trickett always reminded us, he's like, hey, that guy's making us look good, so we got to keep doing better, because eventually, you know, we're going to have to step up and be able to handle guys and, and take care of him as well. Uh, but like I said, they, they both could have played and done did, a hell of a job. Did Jameis come up as kind of a leader once he first arrived, or was that really the second year? Now, you know, I mean, of course, he gets a start, so he really pushes that on. But you know, was he kind of like that already on the sideline? With the we saw a video of him, at 2012 NC State game, you know, going over there and chirping with some guys. But was that kind of just immediately once arrival? That was just kind of how Jameis was. He had a natural ability to be uh, very outgoing. Um, be able to relate it to anybody. So there was some natural leadership qualities there. But like I really didn't notice it until because EJ kind of was like the guy for those few years. Um, but I didn't notice it until, you know, maybe the summer 
going into camp like that. And then all, all the guys, he had all the guys bought in. And I think he spent a lot of time, not just in his dorm room, but going to other guys' dorms and hanging out, stuff like that. You know, not being a politician or anything, but I mean, the guts of our whole offense and defense and big contributors were all living in the same place. So naturally they all hung out and, and did their thing together. And then obviously older guys, we lived away. Um, but I, you know, I think he had some natural abilities to come in, relate to people, talk to people, and you know, become a leader. Uh, especially the whole he would do. You know, we all see in the clips you know, all, all the, you know, I think the last one was eating the W. But you know, the one Clemson, you're gonna do it, then do it big, then like I'm just sitting there thinking, all right, just gotta go play, we gotta go beat him. And I've never been a big a raw raw guy. I also not hear him in the background. And you can see close up. I'm just sitting there, and then Jameis is just going on. And but he got everybody fired up. Like I didn't need to be fired up, and uh, but he got people that need to be fired up fired up. And that was a great quality of his, and that helped. What was it like um, playing under Rick Trickett throughout your college career? Um, a lot of people kind of view him as a hard ass, but how much of that mentality pay off on you guys, and, and just you know help you keep improving? If you read his book, he's got a book, a line book out, and it says to all my uh, future players, like basically our relationship starts out with us liking each other. It goes through a long phase of us hating each other. And at the <laughs> end, we both like each other again for the appreciation that you and I both put into making you a good player type thing. And that's what it was. Um, it started out rough. There were some rough days. There were some rough times where you go to bed and you could just hear him in the back of your head just reaming you uh, <laughs> while you're about to go to sleep. Uh, but I, I worked through it. I needed that. Um, I had just lost my father my senior year uh, coming into Florida State. So I needed somebody to get me to, to at least in my 20s to help me out. You know, like everybody needs that. And uh, he, you know, obviously a technician, work ethic. He was a former Marine. So, you know, all those things they teach them uh, as far as just life skills and a way to go about yourself, the way to carry your business and uh he just learned – He just. I learned so much from that guy, and I really wouldn't be anywhere without him, in my opinion. Uh, but he was tough. And there was times where you just wanted to throw him up against the wall, but you just – you know, <laughs> I never did. But there was times where I've seen him toss across the field. I've seen him – yeah. I mean, we've gotten into it. Uh, you know, dropping Any that good stories? It is what it is behind the scenes. In my senior year, he, he had two days of just – he wouldn't just let off some things. And I just – being an older guy, getting a little cocky, i just go off on him and – I met the boys on Wednesday, and I just met him at uh, Chick-fil-A right down the road there because that's our Wednesday spot. Um, and Tuesdays was Savannah's, by the way. I don't know if y'all remember Savannah's down there on, down mm -hmm. the road, but that was the spot for Tuesday mornings. Mm -hmm. after Because we had to do 6 a.m. meetings, and we would just lose it on each other. And But after that, he, he pulled me up, and he said, look, my kids don't talk to me that way. My wife don't talk to me that way. You're sure as hell not going to talk to me that way. <laughs> he's like, I'm trying to help your ass out. We came this far. Like, let, let's – get it together and ever since then we were I was like all right just don't bring this crap up and i'll be fine and sure <laughs> enough we just put our heads down and next thing you know we were in there i guess we were staying in costa mesa obviously playing in pasadena but like that it wouldn't have been a thursday but that thursday meeting before we go to practice um you know in the schedule he 20 minutes into it and he's just like god damn stork five years and he just starts crying a whole bunch and like seeing him get emotional which hardly ever happens got me emotional so i'm sitting there like tearing up all the guys like surrounded me like gave me a big hug and he's like let's go kick their ass and just went nuts and just walked out the door 
and we had a great practice and it, it was a good time and it was the last practice I ever had as a Florida State Seminole. But uh, there's just a lot of good memories, but man, there was a lot of bad memories. I think I blocked them out. Not bad memories, but tough memories. And But they made me who I am today and, you know, I have a wife now and uh, she looks at me, she's like, you're not normal. I was like, you don't know what I've had to deal with and why I am the way I am <laughs> quite yet. But she's slowly figuring out. She hears the stories and uh, she's just going to be amazed when she sees my person one day. This little five foot something guy that, you know, would jump up, grab your face mask and rattle your brain uh, has such a great effect on me. So that's my feelings towards Rick Trickett. That was great. That was phenomenal. I was expecting that y'all would have would have had a really close and probably still have a really great relationship too. Because you know to see him behind the scenes a little bit too, and just see how real he was with some of you guys, and it was just always hilarious because he was the small, definitely by far the smallest guy out there on the field, and the way he would talk to you guys just kind of put y'all in y'all's place, and y'all would listen. So and it, and it worked out to y'all becoming 2013 national champions. Which I want to bring up a question here. This is from James on YouTube asking you, Brian, I always want to know how was Jameis in the huddle on that last drive um, and which I was there for uh, in the Rose Bowl National Championship game. What was Jameis saying to you, Brian, on that last drive or in the huddle? In the huddle? Well, I just remember I must have blacked out for the last drive, but I remember on the sideline before and I, I just remember us all looking at each other just thinking, hey, like all positive thoughts here. Like we've been here and good Lord, I mean, Every Thursday we do the uh, two-minute drill. We're down. We got to score to win, and uh, we, I mean, we obviously Jimbo's offensive guy, so we always usually won that drill and uh, gave us some confidence. And we've done it over and over and over. And uh, I just remember just being all positive thoughts. And it was he just had that same old wide-eyed look, um, ready to go. He was locked in. We're locked in, and we knew it was the drive of our life. So we all took it seriously, and we've been training ever since each one of us stepped on Florida state campus. Like we had been training for that moment since we stepped and, and it was finally there. And we're like, you know, nut up or shut up. It's not cutting time. Let's go get it done. And just one play, one snap, one step, one block, one hand placement at a time for those guys, one catch, one snap, you know, one read. So, yeah. Who, who, uh, and I want to bring this up too. Well, first off, did you, did you ever feel nervous at halftime? I think a lot of Florida State fans, I was there too. I think a lot of Florida State fans were a little nervous there at halftime, but they also knew that this team wasn't going to quit and they're going to give Auburn a run for its money. Did, did y'all ever feel nervous in that locker room any? Um, I can't speak. I mean, I, I, I would say, you know, like it was a good nervous. It was, hey, we got to get it together. Yeah, we got to keep fighting. It might not go our way for another quarter and a half, but eventually it's going to go our way, and the scales got to tip. Uh, I really don't remember much of halftime, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure I grabbed my half peanut butter and jelly, grabbed the orange slice, and then probably a yellow uh, a Powerade if I could find it, and uh, just went about my business. But uh, <laughs> it's the nervous butterflies I had, and like let's just go get it done. I was probably. The first couple plays was an outside zone play, and I had to go reach one of those defensive tackles. I forget who their names even were. But I was like, holy crap, this is SEC speed. This is strength. Like, this is going to be a long-ass night if I don't, like, take – every step has got to be perfect. If not, I don't have a chance of reaching these guys or making my block. And uh, I just – it was one of those times where we'd always trained for, so we were fine, and I practiced hard like that, thinking that way with that mentality, and it worked out. But I remember I was kind of nervous for a little bit, like, damn. Like, I really got to go to reach this dude. So, you know, we really had to be on top of Ray again. 
There's uh, one of my favorite players, if not, it is definitely my favorite player to come through Florida State. I wore number eight in high school because of Timmy. But how was it going against him and practices? I mean, I got to think that's had to make you all better. But how really was it? Because Los has talked about him a few times, and he kind of uh, gets chippy and practices a few times. But did you all ever go at it? Yeah, um, it started out as hating each other. Um <laughs> It really did. I'm sure we still get in the same room today and probably still feel a little tension and want to go at each other. I mean, uh, but he going against him every day was the best thing that ever happened to me as far as like hand combat goes because he was short, he was stocky, and he can just come off the ball low to high. And he can start out one way and you snap back and you try to grab him. He's looping back across your face. Um, he got me ready for the NFL, I think. And I, I think I would like to think that I helped him out a little bit there, too. I don't know if he's still playing or not, but uh, I know he got Super Bowl with the Eagles, so that's awesome. Um, but I remember playing against him in the division, uh, divisional round versus uh, the Ravens. And uh, he was pretty good there, too. And I could, I was like, What's up, Timmy? And he would not say a word to me. So, like, I was like, Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, All right, let's go. Uh, I feel like that's just two bulls going at it, though. Like, I would have probably paid money to watch some of the drills that y'all are having at practices. Oh, it, it, at sometimes, like, I'd give him that uh, extra shove at the end or just I would <laughs> if I could finish him and throw him on the ground, I would. And next thing you know, it takes, it's taking six people to hold him back from me. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, God, I'm about to fight this guy. Great. <laughs> Whatever, let's go, you know. But just, you know, we never had to, really. Um, but there was always respect there at the end of the day. Once it was like we were off the field, uh that's just ball i think was our attitude towards it uh but yeah trying to reach him like on the outside zone if he's in the g good luck you might as well just block the guard down and pull on around for the mic because there's no chance you're going to reach him mm-hmm. you know no timmy timmy was nasty and then you also had telvin smith there at linebacker like it was just non-stop what you're gonna have to deal with but what did he looks did telvin ever look thin to you because i think everybody at that time in college football you know linebackers are a whole different kind of size now a little bit thinner guys can move east to west faster but you know now that's what telvin built now this is what these linebackers are in today's game now what were your thoughts on on telvin smith and being a leader it seemed like he was pretty pivotal on that part so telvin i think uh lowndes county guy uh Valdosta yeah. area he was so thin he looked like a safety um but he could play linebacker he, he could bring the wood uh and once he finally filled out there towards the end my senior year like he was you know, he was fighting to be like 215, 220, but he could get there. Uh, but he looked thicker and he, he was living living right. And, you know, because I knew he his earlier years, he had a hard time getting adjusted to college life, but eventually like overcame it. Um, but he had enthusiasm. He had toughness. Like you couldn't break that kid. He'd been through hell and back already, I think, just growing up. A lot of my teammates were like that. Um, but just his enthusiasm and all the, you know, the kids bought into him and uh, he came back from, uh, a, I don't know if it's suspension or what, or just like, hey, like you need to go away and get this right, your academics. And he came back, and he was a total different dude. I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, it was awesome to watch that. And uh, it was awesome to see him in the NFL, too. Um, you know, I know he's not in there anymore. And I don't know where he's at, man, but I wish him the best. I hope he's doing all right and getting through everything. And But that dude could play, for sure. All, all the Valdosta kids could play. I, I still go back there and try to find dudes. You know, if I'm recruiting, I always double check that area for sure. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which which game to you and, and any time at, at FSU gave you kind of the toughest or anybody that talked talked a lot of trash to you. I know you don't like UF, but 
Um, which one, or maybe your most memorable game? I mean, of course, Pasadena's a cheat code there, but any 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 significant ones, home games or anything that stand out to you? I would say that 2010 uh, Florida game in the dope because it had been so long since Florida State had uh, beaten UF and. Hell, I graded out of 57 that night. I was still a young pup, but I had to come in after Spurlock went down that year. And I had to play guard, rolled my ankle, but, you know, I didn't care I was playing. And it was really a special night. I had one of my uh, elementary school buddies. I'm from Illinois originally, and him and I played Little League football together. He was stationed in Pensacola for the Army, or no, Marines. Was able to come over on a bus in the middle of the night a couple nights before and go watch the game. And uh, it was just a really special night um, hearing the whole entire crowd singing, you know, the goodbye song and, uh, watching Urban Meyer over there just freaking out. Uh, it was a really special game. And then if there's that one, if there wasn't that one, I would think uh, probably that Clemson game our senior year, my senior year, uh, when they were supposed to blow us out. And I just remember me and Josue and Matias looking at each other on third and like medium. We're still beating them. And they're just so loud trying to set that world record. And me and host, I remember host Switch goes, holy shit, and this big Dominican voice. And I just sit there and laugh. And next thing you know, we're snapping the ball and uh, sliding in the protection. But it was just a lot of special moments with a lot of special people. Um, it's, it's hard to put my finger on one. But those would be the two memorable games that pop in my head right now. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. That Clemson game, I was there for that. And it was loud. It was extremely loud. We were even up high. They put That's what Clemson does. They put all of the Seminole boosters or opponents' boosters, and they're seating all the way up the top up there and the literal nosebleeds looking straight downs. Um, but that didn't matter after about five about or six quarter, minutes after. Yeah. After, join, after Joyner's interception, That they never got as loud after that. It, it literally didn't. You could hear a pin drop. And uh, one of my favorite memories from that game is when uh, Nick O'Leary just trucked that dude over with no wrist tape. Travis no Blanks. Just old school. Yeah. That was awesome. The kid uh, from Tallahassee. Yeah. Travis yeah. Blanks got popped. Yeah. He got, yeah. he got ran over. That was something. Nick O'Leary's just got to, I got to, we got to meet him last spring. And it just, it's the same mentality that he has, I think, on the football field. They're like, he's not really a talker. I don't think he even said more than a couple words. I even, I think I approached him and tried to start a conversation. I'm like, we got to get you on the podcast, man. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. He put a dip in and walked off. Then he'd probably be more, you know, susceptible to doing that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I see, I see, I feel like maybe y'all have the same kind of um, personality a little bit. I just feel that a little bit. Just guys that stick to football mainly um, because I, like I said, I haven't really seen any interviews with you as much and that's why i was just fantastic and i was like oh this is gonna be awesome to actually hear from you because i feel like you have so many like you've been telling us some great stories from behind the scenes that maybe nobody has been able to hear definitely in the trenches which florida state is trying to get better at i don't know if you've been keeping up with it but it's definitely it's definitely fallen off in the last couple of years what do you what do you think that is um is it coaching do you think it's just talent coming in it just it's not just how it used to be it's tough because like me as a coach and i hear somebody from the outside in talking about what's going on where i'm at and they don't have a freaking clue so i i gotta be a little bit careful what i say there um but in my opinion wherever you're at it comes down to recruiting uh our recruiting coordinator at university of cumberland's jeff love he always says abc that means always be recruiting um <laughs> it, it comes down to find the right guys and uh the right mentality and i'm 
you know, obviously going from Jimbo to a new head coach. And then there was like those issues there. And then uh, Coach Norvell getting it all worked out there. I mean, it takes a, it doesn't, it sucks about this business is these guys want wins now. It, it takes like a good five, six years to like let a whole bunch of guys cycle through and, mm-hmm. you know, really set the standard for the program. And, you know, Coach Fisher had enough time to do that at Florida State. Uh, but I will say like the guys that recruited produced pretty early as well. Um, you know, and recruiting stuff now with all the NLI stuff. And I just think it comes down to recruiting. Uh, you know, I know Coach Atkins. I, I've spoken to him a couple times, you know, nothing but a great dude. Um, heard nothing but great things about him through, like, uh, Coach Higgins. I, I still try to stay in touch with him. Um, I mean, that dude's a legend and obviously, like, an encyclopedia for Florida State football. Uh, but he, he said these are the right guys. Obviously, he was there with Jimbo. He was there with Coach Taggart. And uh, he just said Coach Norvell, like, knows what he's doing. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it was good to hear as just an alumni and talking to an old coach. Um, but I think they just got to keep working it. And, you know, maybe every now and then go back and turn some of our film on, you know, just don't, don't just watch the scheme, but watch the finish. Like we played with passion, we finished. And there, you know, I've seen some clips out there on the internet the past couple of years. I'm like, well, there ain't much finished there, you know, but like I said, it comes down to dudes you're recruiting and obviously what you're preaching, you know, in your position room and, uh, Obviously, Coach Atkins has got to be pretty good to be offensive line and the OC. That's saying something. So that's my opinion on that. Uh, obviously, I don't know what's going on in there. I'm not there every day. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they're heading the right direction. So going back to your career, you know, you, you wrap up a really successful five years at Florida State where you won a national championship and a bunch of games and then you land in the NFL with probably the most successful franchise and the New England Patriots. What was it like the first time after being drafted, walking into the Patriots facilities, into the locker room and seeing those guys um, like Tom Brady, um, Wes Welker, all those guys that you had seen on TV before and, and now you're their teammate? I always just had a gut feeling if I did go pro, I would end up in New England. Um, my gut's never been wrong. Uh, coach Trickett and I think Dante Skarnecki at the time, their old line coach used to talk a lot. And I think, you know, Coach Trick was trying to do all he could to help me out getting there. And I always had a funny – he'd always talk about New England the way it was there when you go visit. And uh, I just had a gut feeling I was going to go there. And I knew that was the hardest place to play. It is. From the veterans I've talked to that have been in other places, it is the hardest place to play. And, like, um, it's the strictest of the strictest. We're in, like, the military and – uh, but I've been training for it for five years, being with Coach Trickett. Uh, but it was awesome to walk in. Obviously, like the first time you see like Tom or Julian Edelman or Danny uh, Amendola or Gerard Mayo or Dante Hightower walking through or Steve Gaskowski. Um, you see those guys walking through the hallway. You're like, holy crap, like that's him. Or you see Belichick walking through. Heck, it's even cool to see Belichick and the whole staff show up and come work all of this out. Um, and then they act like they weren't looking at me. And they stuck me in the running backs uh, meeting with uh, – Coach Ivan Fears, and they didn't bring the line coach with them. They didn't have one hired at the time because Dante retired. Uh, but it was a, it was really interesting to see how they did things, and uh, I tried to soak it all in while I was there. And then obviously, Logan Mankins was there for before he got traded during the summer camp. Uh, I just tried to watch him lead by example. God, I looked up to him. Ryan Lindell, Dan Conley. So Dan Conley, you guys will know was the guy in 2010 that ran that ball back versus the Packers on kickoff return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was able to play next to him. And, you know, they weren't the most welcoming to a rookie because they knew what was going on. They knew somebody had to go. 
Um, and then once they figured out they could plug me in for cheap, I was able to play. And one guy, I think they had to trade. And I don't know where I went behind all that stuff. But um, once they realized I was on the team, they, then they opened up and started teaching me all the tricks of the trade. And, um, obviously, working with Tom was like, at first, like, holy crap, this is Tom Brady. Um, first time I meet him, within 20 seconds, hey, how you doing? All right, give me a couple snaps. And he's like, you're already sweating, you know, pre, pre-practice. He's like, here's a towel. I'm going to show you how to do this. So you're just going to snap me for the eternity of your career that you're with me. And he just like straight up just shoved the towel right in, like in my drawers. And I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to go. He's like, got it. And I'm just like, I was just sitting there like, yes, sir. Just taking it, you know. Uh, but I couldn't believe I called him, sir. But he's like, you know, that much older than me. And obviously there's a lot of respect for what he's done. Um, so it, it was uh, a lot of fun learn from those guys and being around them and just get getting to know them because you always growing up you know about these guys but you don't know who they really are you just see them on tv so it was cool to be able to you know obviously like rob gunkrowski like see that dude go about his business every day which was honestly all business and then he would have fun we could have fun I was going to say, yeah, playing, we're, we now cover the Bucks uh, with SI, and so now I've got the first chance of being up close with Tom Brady. And I wasn't I'm, – I'm a Steelers fan, so I've never – I've never liked them. Now i got to be a little bit more careful about what I say and then probably go back and delete some tweets um, before those get found now that we're down there and covering them in person. But, no, I mean, he's a legend at what he's done, the respect that you probably had for him. And now you go in and you win a Super Bowl so early – in your career, what, what was what was more nerve wracking to you—the 2013 national championship in Pasadena or that Super Bowl with the Patriots? They were both nerve wracking. I think if, you know I got three gray hairs in my beard. I think I got at least two of the three from those two games. Uh, <laughs> you know, it really hit me like every time, like when I was walking out to the coin toss, it hit me like this is really real. I'm way out the locker room and just thinking, holy crap, the whole nation's watching. And then next thing you know, next year's Super Bowl, holy crap, the whole nation's watching or the whole world's watching. Um, you were just thinking, all right, this is everything I've ever done my whole life. And you walk out to the field and then you're like, oh, it's like the same feeling like in your gut as high school before you, you were walking out to the you know the field. And all of a sudden you look down and you like smell the spray paint and the grass is spray painted green. And then all of a sudden, hike, you snap the ball. Like It was just like a normal just normal in, in your element, just go out there, play football, notice little stupid things like the grass being spray painted. That's why it looks so good on TV. In case you're all wondering. Nice. Uh, got the inside scoop on that. Yeah. But I did not uh, know that. Oh, he did not know that. And yeah. where was this where was this one played at? I'm looking. In Arizona. Oh, Arizona. That I guess that kind of makes a little sense I did not know they added even more <laughs> greenness to the grass. I got so much green all over and I could smell it back then. But, oh yeah, uh, I had there was a lot of days I had to pinch myself. I'd wake up in the morning in Foxborough and it'd be just snow everywhere. I'm like, holy crap! Like I'm in New England, and this is like the things you see on the NFL Network, the clips of being at the Patriots and all that stuff throughout the years. And you're like, wow, I get a chance to be a part of something really just bigger than yourself. And next thing you know, we're flying out to freaking Arizona. I'm like, holy crap, we're going to the Super Bowl, and uh, it was nice to you know get out there and and just and we enjoyed ourselves like we didn't party or anything but uh we went out there and enjoyed ourselves handled our business and practiced hard and i was actually on a torn mcl that game because i had torn it uh actually first timmy in that divisional round i put him to the ground believe it or not and stood back <laughs> up to help 
Terrell Suggs wraps around Tom Brady's waist and his legs whip around, hit my MCL, knock it in. So uh, skip the AFC championship versus the uh, Colts. Uh, they kicked the crap out of him anyways and uh, was able to, you know, play on it. I think it was a grade two tear, which wasn't that bad. You said it like literally brace it up and put some strong S tape around it. Uh, but I was cramping by the first quarter, no doubt. Um, just from the nerves and anxiety and just it being hot in uh, Arizona. Like, you sweat and you just don't realize it. But uh, it's like, this is the game of your life. Like, you've got to get this done. And um, we were up front. I'm looking at this picture right here. I see yeah. Nate Solder. I see Dan Conley on the other side. It's Ryan Waddell and Sebastian Bulmer, right tackle. And just like a random group of guys. All those guys have worked together before. But, like, that was my first year working with them. So, I was just constantly the rookie trying to play catch up and pick their brains and uh, obviously getting life advice from them if I wanted it or not. Uh, but that's a, a great group of guys right there for sure. The end of that game, what are you thinking when they don't hand it off to Marshawn Lynch from the side? What the hell are they doing? <laughs> if, they, if they hand that ball off, life is different. Yeah. Life is totally different. And there's not a ring in, in my freaking case right now that's really big, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All they had to do was hand it off. But like, awesome job by Malcolm and everybody else. All the other ten guys out there doing their job, and obviously the coaches calling the scheme they called, and uh, it fell right into place. And obviously, you know, thank God for Ernie Adams drawing up the cards and running that on the goal line, uh, low red zone area during practice. And um, yeah, it was just I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, they threw a quick slant on like down here. That's nuts. But they did it. And, you know, kudos to Marshawn Lynch for not coming out in the public and just talking a lot of crap about it. And when you really, you know, just being classy about it. Really good dude. I think he's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, great. I mean, just the way he goes about things is just hilarious. And he can his love's life. But, yeah, they couldn't hand it off. And I was like, because I saw him in shotgun. And I was like, why, why are they doing that? And, you know, I'm old school. Like, let's line up in the eye and just get those couple yards. But they, they went with that play. Didn't want to do it. Outthought themselves a little bit. Yep, they did, and that's that was uh, Pete Carroll. That was a you don't really usually see that from him either. I mean, he does take a little bit of risks here and there, but come on now, let's let's don't be idiotic. You've got Marshawn Lynch, who's still close to his peak there. If not, why don't you just hand it off to Marshawn? I love Marshawn. I bought his jersey when I went up to Seattle. I just think, like you said, he's hilarious. He's great for football. I wish he was still in it because you know he was he was just entertainment, and that's what National Football League kind of needed at that time, just to kind of relax some things. Some guys can be different, and I thought he brought a, brought yeah. a good mentality to. And then, football. like he crushed the whole drive, like he was gaining yards on us, and I was just like, I was just waiting for him to bust out of there and like bust out of there, like you know, go through the third level defenders. I was like, oh crap! But <laughs> luckily, it didn't happen, and now we're sitting here, and we just had to knee the ball out, and we're good. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> my my last thing, and then we can get you off here, and maybe the other guys will have one last question, but. Um, you know, we had Jameis Winston's dad on Antonor last week, and you know, now it seems like they're buying all in to Jameis in New Orleans. And you know, he had a rough patch there in Tampa, the ups and the downs. And you know, now he goes to New Orleans, he sits uh, behind Drew Brees, you know, that's a Hall of Fame guy, that's a legend, and then also Sean Payton, also another Hall of Fame coach. What do you think, you know, is what do you expect out of Jameis? Because you've been in the locker room, you know how he is, his mentality. You think he's he's gonna kind of take New Orleans for a ride here? Um, now that they're putting some weapons around him, they did a good job in the draft surrounding him with talent. 
Yeah, you would think so. I mean, he's been around a lot of ball. Um, I just remember Coach Sanders talking about him at ETSU about how he would he would see things that not many quarterbacks really could besides like – and Randy Sanders coached Peyton Manning too at UT. Uh, so he's like he's really special and uh, there's things that he would see and just he would hit it. Um, but he's been around a lot of ball. Um, obviously being behind Drew Brees is uh, probably a hell of a learning experience. I actually went and saw him when he was at Tampa. I visited uh, Coach Munkin there when he was the OC because our uh, graduate assistant I worked with at Southern Miss was his equipment manager at one point. So he let us come visit, and uh, it was Jameis and Fitzpatrick in there. And I think Jameis since then has grown up a lot. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I can just tell by his whole demeanor and you know the way he works. And he's not, not scared to work, that's for sure. Um, and he knows football. So I, I'm sure they got some things brewing up there in New Orleans and uh, – I hope it works out for him because I think he could do good in a place like that. And, you know, obviously Drew Brees is retired. and New Orleans is just looking to have a, you know, fill that void of having the, you know, household name at quarterback. And uh, if Jameis continues the way he can and just reaches his potential, there's sky's the limit. Yeah, my last thing, um, in 2013, you know, you're the, you're the center for a true freshman, Jameis Winston. The next year, you're the center for Tom Brady, who at that point had already been in the NFL for over a decade, and you know now it's it's two decades. So, what were the differences um, between snapping for those two guys, especially with it being just year to year like that? Uh, obviously, you gotta like you said, the, the years is a huge thing, and James was just so raw at the time. He didn't care how sweaty that ball was. I mean, there was a drop of any sweat. Tom would be flipping out about it, which I get it. Like, it's a beautiful day. It's 70 degrees out. It shouldn't be a wet ball. All right, cool. Let me work on that. And, you, you know, I just never had somebody so demanding and so just, like, constantly trying to evolve the snap cadences. You know, I think at one point we had 32 silent and away or silent and home. Um but then he would take them and bastardize them. And then I think him and Josh McDaniels would get together and they would do concepts and like, Hey, this is like that back at this year. And then they just had so much time together where they could just take things and just not uh, reinvent the wheel, but evolve things as offense. And I think they both kind of grew up together in new England because they're similar in age too. one was the coach, one was the quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just remember him constantly wanting perfection. Uh, just if you would screw up, he wouldn't just, kill you but he would give you that look it's like it's like when your parents say i'm not mad at you i'm just disappointed in you it was that kind of feeling uh, but you didn't want to let either one of them down that's for sure uh, but obviously Jameis, a young kid tom you know family guy wife kids all that stuff there's i mean there's a lot of mat maturity differences there but mm -hmm. uh, but james said hell of a job leading us there's no question I've always, just real quick, real quick, I've always wanted to ask this, and I don't think we've asked any of the 2013 National Champion guys on offense. I don't think we've asked Kenny either or Lowe's. What was the play call name of that toss from Jameis to KB? Remember? Do you remember what yeah, that was? It would have been 246 Z post at the time. I forget. The, they would have called it green pairs at that point. Green pairs, 246 Z post, if I'm not mistaken. We all full slide left keep the fullback and, and tailback in. And then the Z just runs a post. That's where KB was because we were – and what I used to call two tights. And the, the KB would have been the Z receiver at that time. So, Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I've always wondered what that what that is. It's special, special, obviously, for Florida State. And, you know, we'll see. You know, it seems like you said, you know, I think a lot of people that you've talked to too, 
And if Odell feels pretty good with Magnavel, I think being around at least those practices, it feels a little bit of going back to the Jimbo days. I mean, Norvell runs a very, 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 very tight ship during practices. And I think it's going to take, like you said, recruiting for a lot of these, not just offensive line, but all around to kind of bring the program around. But the first thing you got to do with that is get some wins too to help. So we'll see this upcoming scene. It's a big season ahead for, for Mike. This is a do or die almost, it feels like for the football program and, and trying to get things turned around. So Brian, this was incredible. Pretty much an hour that you're on here with us. This was a great interview. Awesome um, interview. No, it was phenomenal. We went, we went everywhere. We went high school, college, just professional now coaching and then the super bowl national championship everything so this was a fantastic interview brian definitely appreciate you coming on here we'll get this uploaded to all the listeners i think the chat has loved it too so i appreciate you hopping on here with us on here the spear man yeah appreciate you guys i wish you guys nothing but the best and yeah i got plenty of stories just hit me up every every (laughs) year and i'd love to get with you guys and talk some florida state football so appreciate y'all hey Hey, if you ever want to preview Florida State versus UF this upcoming year, you just let me know. We'll, we'll put no, something I'll be together. Up for sure. <laughs> All right, that. man. Y'all Have a good one. and good luck this upcoming season for you and your team. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, that was uh, that was awesome. That was another really good interview. We're kind of in in our bag here a little bit. We're getting lucky with some of these guests coming <laughs> out. We're getting lucky. Uh, because you know, these are, these are some great stories and Dustin, you're only blushed like five or six times. So you did a pretty good job. Thank you, man. Yeah. I made sure to, to put on the makeup before we hopped on here. So the full face wouldn't turn red, but we got through <laughs> it. I, I look pale as shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. I love, I, those are the guys that I want to talk to are the ones that maybe weren't so talking. Like I, like I said, I've never heard an interview for Brian Stork. I don't think yeah. anybody has ever seen him talk. It doesn't seem real that he does talk, but when he opens up and gives you kind of the lay the land of behind the scenes that went into that 2013 team, even prior to that, Rick Tricker, there's just so many good, good things that I think fans <clears throat> want to hear. A lot of goodies he gave us too. I agree, you know, because – you would think he'd be more of a quiet person, but he really opened up and gave some nice detail there and gave us some behind the scenes stuff, you know, that we were hoping to hear. I thought the Tom Brady story was hilarious with the towel (laughs) immediately (laughs) in his pants. Here you go, buddy. Time to get to work. This is what you're going to do for the rest of your career. Welcome to the NFL. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's so Tom Brady asked too. That's exactly what I would think that we would come from Tom Brady. But no, that was like I could keep on talking with Brian. So that was that was a great interview. Maybe we'll get him back later on during closer to the football season. Him helping us preview the UF game, which uh, will end up being in Tallahassee this year. That would actually be pretty fun to bring him on for that since it doesn't seem like he's a big fan of <laughs> UF, nor was he a fan of Timmy Jernigan once they first met each other, which that was I needed that story. I had a feeling those two didn't like each other. And sure enough. They did not like each other. <laughs> Just two bulls going at it, man. Let's uh, let's jump into some football quick hitters, a little bit of recruiting. Then we got some basketball latest as we just two minutes ago, the NBA draft just started. So we're keeping an eye on um, really one guy, maybe a few guys later on down the road. But we'll give some updates on that in just a few. Let's jump into here with a offensive tackle grad transfer. 
uh, commit and now signing uh, Jastin Turrentine. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Turrentine. Turrentine. Okay, good. Uh, Commits to Florida State. Florida State once again, and Coach Atkins continue to build in the trenches. It just keeps on loading up and loading up. I don't think Florida State fans are against any of this whatsoever, more the merrier at this rate. But at this point, though, this is a guy that has, you know, uh, coming from the SEC, obviously that's the first thing you think of. But this is an offensive tackle position, which after watching the spring, Dustin, I was immediately like, yeah, I, I still feel like Florida State needs to build some depth there. And, you know, they're able to do that. And they're building now, which will now is going to be a really fall, fun fall camp to cover because it's going to be extremely competitive in that offensive line room. Are they going to have enough sleds for these guys? I mean, good God. There was already a lot of them before during the spring, but now with the true freshmen coming in all these summer newcomers, I don't know if they're going to have enough sleds, d But what's your thoughts on Turrentine? He's now a null under Coach Atkins. Yeah, to your point on the sleds, I, I believe with Turnatine's addition, you're at 18 scholarship offensive linemen. I will, I'll go back and double check. 16 for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's been bumped with Woody and Turnatine. It's now been bumped up to 18. I'll have to go um, verify that. But you know, this is a nice grab for for Florida State. Turnatine reported an offer from the Seminoles in May, and this is just kind of something that has uh, grown. Over the last couple of weeks, turn of time made it to to campus a couple of weeks ago for a visit where he spoke with head coach Mike Norvell and Coach Atkins, and then shortly after that, he names a top two of Florida State and Michigan State, and then bang! I mean, really, we get out there on Monday to to cover some of the people coming in, and we're we're standing there looking looking at the moor, and turn of time just walks out of the moor. I we. I honestly wasn't even sure that he was on campus at that point. So he just walks out of the moor and tells me and some of the other reporters that were out there that he had committed to Florida state. Then Atkins grabs him by the shoulder, pulls him away and says, we got to take care of some paperwork. And, you know, clearly I think it was, um, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. It, It officially came through that he had been accepted by the program, but this is big. I mean, you get a guy who, was a, a top prospect out of JUCO a couple years ago, started double-digit games um, at South Carolina, almost six foot seven, around 330 pounds right now or so. So a guy with a lot of experience, a guy who's played in the SEC, and you know he's going to have a chance to compete for playing time at Florida State. Um, I don't think he's an, an instant starter out of the gate, but the worst, the worst thing you get out of this kid being a, a grad transfer coming into FSU is he's an experienced practice body for a year, and I think the best thing is he becomes a swing tackle that can potentially start a couple games if if you have a guy go down or you know be involved in the rotation as well if guys need spells um, during games. But Turnatine, Demetri Emanuel, Caden Lyles. Three grad transfers at Florida State has added this offseason who will all play roles on that offensive line in the fall. And then you look at it, their scholarships are gone after the fall. So Florida State can then use those spots in the 2023 class, whether it's more high school prospects or they hit the transfer portal again. So I think really a, a low-risk, high-reward addition at this point in, uh, in the summer for Florida State. Yeah, you said it right there, D. Lou, because Florida State, 
like I said, after the spring, I just felt like they needed to build some. And this is not going to be a guy that I don't think comes in and immediately starts. If, if he does end up starting week one and he won the true battle out of a lot of guys that he's going to be going against. And this is a big time. It's a big time. This is going to be a busy uh, fall camp for Coach Atkins and what they're going to try to do here. But another big size guy coming in that Florida State can add to this depth piece because I that was the number one thing that really hurt Florida State's offense last year was having some guys get dinged up and then you're kind of rotating guys left and right all around. Right now you're kind of building now depth at each actual position on that offensive line specifically, which is going to play a big part and not having guys be shuffled around into playing center out of nowhere on an away game, um, on road games. That's just that uh, just cannot happen in Florida State and Mignorville. You put out a piece earlier this week, D. Lou. You know their their main focus the last it hasn't. I mean, it's of course been this class, but overall, you know, Florida State and Mignorville they acknowledged pretty early on what they needed to do in the trenches and and prim, primarily definitely in the offensive line. And it seems like you know they're going to use these scholarships as much as they can to build that depth at the offensive line and also maybe bring in potential talent to uh, fight for starting spots. You know, you look at Bless Harris too, and you know. I, I thought it had an up and down little spring still still early on at the program, but let's let's get let's don't let people feel too easy there. Let's compete a little bit and find the best guy out of of a good true camp this upcoming fall. Yeah, and I just went back and checked Florida State with um Turn to Times edition, nineteen scholarship offensive linemen entering the fall, which Ooh, more I'll have to go back and look through the rosters, but that is definitely the the most they've had in in quite a while. So, yeah, I mean, depth was a problem last year. Whenever that starting five was out, and you had to replace it um, with someone like Brady Scott or or someone else, you know, the the performance went down. Um, Florida State saw this offseason. You know, injuries are going to happen at the offensive line with with how much physicality and contact is there every single play. So we need to have some guys waiting in the wings in case someone has to miss a couple games or, or what, what, whatever, you know? So now they've got that. They've got really, I think eight or nine guys that you can count on to be involved in that rotation. And then maybe one of those six true freshmen that you signed can, can come play an early role or one of those guys waiting in the wings, um, you know, Rod or Lloyd Willis, Bryson Estes, one of those guys steps up and, and can play a role as well. And I mean, suddenly you've got a two deep of offensive line that you don't feel too bad about entering the fall. Nope. We'll be hearing actually from a lot of these newcomers, including these transfers and him alone uh, tomorrow at noon. So we'll be giving you guys some quotes uh, from all the newcomers uh, arriving at Florida state, which is quite a bit of them, quite a bit of them, but mainly in the trenches there. I think there's only, one tight end with Drill Powers. And after that, that's your only skill player. The rest tomorrow that we'll be hearing from are either offensive line or defensive line. And a lot of them are offensive line. Yeah. So so Florida State <clears throat> caps off that 2022 class with 15 um, linemen signees across both sides of the ball, 10 offensive linemen, um, six of those being high school, four transfers, and then five defensive linemen. You got the, the one transfer in Jared Verse, then you have four true freshmen. Then you've also got a, a really quality preferred walk-on guy in Dante Anderson, who will likely earn a scholarship during his Florida State career before it's all said and done. So a lot of focus on those trenches and, you know, especially 
Florida State lost some guys on the offensive line. They lost Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas and some other guys on the defensive line. They are uh, reloaded and maybe even in a better position on both sides of the ball entering the 2022 season. Yep. Before we go into a little bit of some recruiting rundown, as there's a big time recruiting weekend ahead, which Dustin will be out there for. I might, I may show up, might show face. I don't know. It's a, you know, Dustin's Dustin's doing a good job out there alone. He might, you know, just handle. From what himself. I understand, you were recently exposed to a COVID positive. So if I see you this weekend, I'm gonna deck you. <laughs> You're gonna deck me. It's that means you be... touch me. That means you would touch me. I will take you from a. I'll throw a brick at you or something. I don't know. <laughs> from Doke, from the Moor. A lot of lot of bricks to work with. Yep, yep. No, no joke, no joke. Um, but just don't grab Timmy Jernigan's down there. We're gonna keep Timmy's down there on the Moor on the ground there. But uh, just before we go into some recruiting stuff here, just wanted to note uh, as of at least Thursday at eight eleven, as I've got it right here on. This is sad that I've got it on. I've got it here on my screen. It's been this way since over the weekend. But Florida State's highly talented wide receiver um, commit and also signee from the 2021 class, Destin Hill, who was expected to arrive this last season, last year. Uh, has And there was expe expectations this summer for him to come in uh, and enroll and get ready for summer and workouts and get ready for fall camp. Uh, has not been enrolled yet at Florida State. Um, you know, this has been an ongoing dilemma for, I think, everybody and every outlet that has been asked it 20,000 times. I think this week alone, I've had about 20, 25 mentions inside the Discord about him. But as of right now, you know, I think this has kind of gotten to the point where it's just not ever going to be happening. I think the only reason that a lot of Florida State fans have kept an eye on this, D. Lou, is because this is a really talented guy. You know, you go back and look at his high school tape and what he did and, and you know, the, the talent that he was facing against. You know, he, he put on a really, really impressive tape. And that was someone that Florida State and Mike Norvell, that was a big-time snag for them. That is a playmaker that they wanted to have on offense. And it just doesn't seem like that's just – he's ever going to suit up and, and garner in gold. Um, you know, this is probably putting a wrap to things as of Thursday because this is when Florida State's last semester – starts there and drop ad right now ends i would believe at 11 59 this evening so there is a few more hours <laughs> there's a few oh, more God. hours a few more hours <laughs> but i don't think that they are inside of the tutor or the uh, the tutors there and i don't think they're getting them enrolled uh, at 8 15 at the night time so it, it, it's a tough loss for florida state it feels like they've had some pretty bad luck with this you lose travis hunter and you lose destin hill like this you those were, would have been two really extremely dynamic offensive players for Florida State for the next couple of years. You don't get them on the roster anymore, and that hurts. That hurts quite a bit. Yeah, it's disappointing, but I feel like it's time to put this whole thing to bed. You know, we there's been some some rising optimism that he he would make it to campus finally, but at the same time, that's something that's been repeated time and time again, and. There's been different dates given, and the timeline always gets pushed back. So it's been it's been over a year. It's been a year and a half. So, I mean, at this point, you're looking at, at a kid that hasn't even played football in two years. And, yeah, it's tough, but also Florida State, they made some additions in that wide receiver room this offseason um, to complete unknown if he'll had – if he'll had or does make it to Tallahassee, if he'll even be able to contribute – 
out of the gate. So, yeah, just kind of moving on from this one. Um, I believe Florida State still has two scholarships to work with ahead of the fall. Damon David, I saw someone mention the comments earlier. Damon Damon removed his name from the transfer portal, so he'll be returning to Oregon. Now it looks like you're not going to be getting Destin Hill on campus either. So those two scholarships I could see going to some walk-ons that deserve it. Um, C.J. Campbell, Preston Daniel, Dante Anderson, those are some names that come to mind quickly. So we'll just have to see how it works out over the next couple of weeks. But I would imagine that there's probably not another transfer that Florida State is going to be adding at this point. Yeah, this opens up some room. I definitely think C.J. Campbell is a guy after watching the spring that will get um... – that will probably get that scholarship offer uh, for, for, for Florida State from Mike Norvell um, and David Johnson just because what they saw this spring. I think that's a guy to look out for. But, yeah, that practically – we're going to put a bow on all of that, um, and that kind of does feel good, sadly. Bittersweet, but it does definitely feel good to move on from – But he, he could show up. Know. He could show up. <laughs> Shut, up. Shut up. Shut up. Just like – you know, Rob Gronkowski is going to come back. You know, he doesn't want to do training camp, but you know what? He's going to pull a Gronk and be like, you know what? I'll come once the season begins. Fall camp. So you're saying there's hope. Let's quote Dustin Lewis right now and get that on Twitter. Someone <laughs> clip it and tag him, please, so we can retweet it and put it in the Discord. Trust um, me, you don't want to yeah. know how much I had my eyes open throughout the whole week just staring at every single person that walked into the morgue. Like, is that, <laughs> is that Dustin Hill? Could that be Dustin Hill? Maybe that's his dad. I love it. I was expecting maybe someone to spot him if he were to be there. I was like, the he definitely spot. he would definitely be spotted if if Dustin Easily. Hill was at Florida State, he would have been spotted by one of the many media members that are out there all week. Or even in Tallahassee, a, I'll be yeah, honest with student, you. I'll be honest with you. A student would have posted it. There's Dustin Hill is is a known unicorn. Yes, okay? we don't know where he is. But we know of him. So if someone saw him, it would be floating around. Yeah, I know. If he was grabbing food somewhere at a restaurant in Tallahassee, even just crossing the county line and someone driving on the interstate might have probably copped a picture there of Destin Hill. So, yeah, that's a that's a wrap on all that. Seems like Florida State's going to be fine there. They did what they needed to do on the wide receiver market and big time in the transfer portal. Let's jump over to quarterback. Dustin, you got in touch with Brock Lynn, who is a priority target right now for Florida State. And Tony Tokar is Florida State's quarterback's coach right now. <laughs> uh, just recently took a visit to Ohio State, um, an official one to be exact. And it just seems like decision mode is in – movement here and he wants to do this i believe before the month is over is that correct is that kind of the vibe that you're getting from brock glenn d Lou? yeah so um, so on my understanding um we traded a couple text messages earlier this week and and really the main thing to point out is ohio state got the final official visit for brock glenn he was looking at maybe going to florida or virginia this weekend but Instead, he's going to take some time off and, and get ready get ready for that long travel from Tennessee over to Los Angeles for the Elite 11 Finals, which are just taking place in, in a couple days. But he's going into decision mode. Um, it's possible that a decision comes prior to the Elite 11 Finals, but it's possible he waits until afterwards as well. It's kind of up in the air. He said it could come as soon as this weekend, or it could go a little bit in, into July. But either way, I think this is a recruitment that's probably going to get wrapped up in the next two, probably three weeks max, because Glenn is looking to make that decision public prior to his senior season. And 
you know, at this time, Auburn has been in it for a while. Florida State got him on campus, and he had nothing but positive things to say about the Seminoles, even though they got in on the recruitment a little late. And same thing with Ohio State. He had some positive things to say about them. And, you know, you we all know what kind of caliber program Ohio State is, but they've also already got some really talented quarterbacks on the roster, and they've got some other options on the board in the 2023 class. And one of the best quarterbacks in the country in the 2024 class already committed. So it's it's going to depend. You know, there's factors where maybe this program is better than this program that you could say about all three of them. Um, in my opinion, it, it's probably going to come down to Florida State or Ohio State if I had to pick. And uh, I'm not confident to make a projection at this point because it would be a total guess. But we're just going to have to see how it plays out. I think Florida State, they nailed the official visit um, as well as they possibly could with head coach Mike Norvell and Tony Tokars, despite having another quarterback and Ricky Collins on campus. Um, it went as well as it could. So Florida State, they're firmly in the battle. We'll, we'll see if they can pull it out. Yeah, we'll keep a close eye on that one, definitely, since it seems like he wants to make this commitment pretty soon, and that would add in, if you were to pick Florida State Seminoles, he'd be joining uh, Chris Parson there in that 2023 class in that quarterback room, which, yep. uh, you know, as we know, has been a big time talk all over uh, the recruiting world surrounding Tallahassee and Florida State and Chris Parson and, and, you know, knowing that he'd have some competition coming in. So a lot of storylines to follow here. And so we'll keep you guys fully updated. I highly suggest, and I'll say it before at the end of the show, but I highly suggest you guys going into the Discord. It's free to join. Uh, if you decide to get a membership, it's only two ninety nine a month. Dustin's dropping in a lot of scoop, definitely on the recruiting front. He's been out there every day to all of these camps, so he's got great, great scoopage for you guys. And you know, he's got he's right there with Brock Glenn. And you know, um, you know, if a commitment does happen, Dustin will have that interview. So make sure you guys go to the link down below if you're on YouTube. Um, go down below and it should have a little discord link there. You guys can join for free. It's an easy app to use. And if you want some scoop and nuggets, just only two ninety nine a month. So easy, easy steal there. Let's jump over to 2023 linebacker, Blake Nicholson. Uh, he just wrapped up his official visit this last weekend in Tallahassee. How'd that one go? D and what are you hearing? Yeah, it went well. Um, Nicholson was actually the only official visitor on campus last weekend. So he got to spend a ton of time um, with Mike Norvell, Randy Shannon, and really in his interview, he mentioned that he was around pretty much the entire coaching staff because they were able to just put a lot of focus on him. Um, you know, there were some camps going on during that period, but regardless, Nicholson got as much attention from the staff as he could have asked for, I believe. And it sounds like Florida State has a real shot coming out of this official visit. I'm interested to see what he says. He's at Oregon this weekend, who's hosted him, I believe, three or four times already um, going into this official visit with them. So it's going to be tough when he's been on campus there so many times compared to the one trip to Florida State. But Nicholson did make it clear he wants to get back to FSU in the fall to watch a game. Um, I believe he's going to make a commitment prior to the fall. But We'll just have to see how it plays out. This is another one. You know, it's it's tough to pull a West Coast kid, especially one that Oregon is on, and, and they've built some real recruiting momentum this offseason with Dan Lanning and, and that new staff over there. But Florida State, they, they've gave, they've given themselves a chance. Um, maybe they got in this one a little late, but regardless, those relationships have paid off with Nicholson, and 
you know, he's going to, he's going to get back here in the fall, or at least that's what his plans are as of now. And another one, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Going to be some, some big decisions coming up in the next couple weeks and months for Florida state on that recruiting trail. You're muted, buddy. Once a pod, he's got to do it once a pod. God, I haven't done it in a while though. I haven't done it in a minute. I've been in, I've been in my bag though. I've been, no, I've been you rolling. Did it last week, or two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I will I was say, say you weren't here. Yeah, you weren't here, so you, you can't. You even did talk. it two weeks ago. No, you weren't even here, BZ, so you can't even talk. Reminded me, it reminded me real quick while I was looking at the article. But um, while he was on campus, Nicholson was hosted by AJ Duffy, who, as we all know, a California native who did sign with Florida State and now playing his career over here. So he was able to – this was actually Nicholson's first time in the state of Florida on this trip. So, you know, Florida State doing what they can to land this kid. Uh, Tom's coming after you there, VZ, saying uh, you do talk. Listen, man, I'm, I'm watching the draft. I'm trying to, trying to stay, you know. What pick are they at? At four. Did Butler get picked yet? Yeah. Uh, let's run through a little bit more of this recruiting real quick then we'll get to some basketball and get out of here uh we got kelton smith 2023 offensive lineman and dj chester you got to see those big guys in camp i can't say that those are some big cats i got to see those big cats in person and along with 2024 offensive tackle barry walker i love that name barry walker what are your thoughts on them after being right next to those guys and seeing them go at it all right, it's a lot of names. I got to think about it. I also want to bring up real quick. Um, whenever we were out there on Monday, FSU offensive line target Roderick Kearney pulled up, and it seemed like he spent a couple days in Tallahassee this week on an unofficial visit, and he'll be at Florida State officially over the weekend. So big for FSU to have him return. And then, yeah, yesterday was the final the final camps for Florida State this summer, I believe, at least in June, wrapped up a slate of 18 camps in 13 days or maybe no, it was 13 camps in 18 days. Either way, a lot of, a lot of camps, a lot of kids on campus. My brain is, is fried, but yeah, yesterday Kelton Smith was out there. He didn't participate, but he did speak after and said that he'll be at Florida state for an unofficial visit on July 30th with plans to set up an official for sometime during the fall. Um, kind of feels like he's leaning Georgia right now. So we'll just have to see if Florida State's able to flip that momentum. Obviously, he's been on campus um, a ton, dating back to when FSU was going after Elijah Pritchett. And now you're you're at a real concern of not landing any of those three guys that you spent so much time on. You know, Elijah Pritchett went to Bama. Looks like Deron Reed could end up at Ohio State or, or LSU. And now Kelton Smith might be going to Georgia. So that would be disappointing. If so, and moving on to DJ Chester, he gave nothing on, on his recruitment, pretty much playing it really close to the vest. We asked him if Florida State would get an official. He's like, I don't know. We asked him if about his decision. He's like, I don't even know. So <laughs> he playing it real close to the vest, but he did enjoy working with Coach Atkins, and they built a relationship dating back to when he was in, in middle school. So a lot of trust um, between Chester and Atkins recently got that offer and has been jumping up the board for Florida State. So they're going to do whatever they can to get him in for an official. And then I just wanted to mention Barry Walker real quick because he said that Florida State, he's a 2024, so a rising junior, not a senior. 
but he said Florida State's currently in his top five and um, mentioned that head coach Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins are just doing a tremendous job with communicating with him and, and building a relationship and said that right now the Florida State really feels like home and he could see himself playing there one day. So just a couple a couple nuggets coming out of the big man camp. Um, and then last thing, five-star 2024 defensive back Charles Lester was also on campus for an unofficial visit yesterday. He was with uh, Coach Coach Kraus for a good amount of time at the big man camp. Then he also went over to the seven-on-seven. Seven. So um, a local guy who's a huge target for Florida State in the next class. Seminoles were one of the first teams to offer him in his recruitment. So that's going to be a big one. Alabama's been on him pretty hard, and Florida State going to do what they can to keep that guy home. Obviously, you look over at that 2024 class, I believe it's still currently ranked number one in the country. Uh, you know, Luke Kermanhawk, yeah. Cam Davis, Jordan Pride, Camden Fryer. That's a really talented group. And if Florida State can build some momentum on the field this fall, it's going to pay off for the next year. Yeah, I think a lot of those guys stick. Um, you know, you've got Cam Davis, who's getting offers left and right. Just also recently visited UF down there in Gainesville. But a lot of these guys where Florida State is able to bring in talent, but then they lose them. He, this season, it's no joke at all. You've got to win in order to keep some of these guys in the fold. There's just too much talent in that class right now. And it's it's a, it's a small group right now. It's still got a ways to go, but... There's a there's a lot to like out of that room. Just seeing Cam Davis in person, Camden Fryer too, and then you've got Luke who now goes down to Gainesville and earns an offer um, from Napier. So, and the kid hasn't even really thrown in a true game yet either. So, your your Norvell and Tokars have done their job in evaluating talent uh, before maybe some of these other schools and SC schools, in fact, uh, before them. So. Um, they got to do. They got to do a good job, and the only the only way they're going to do this is, is go out and win. Um, I know Camden Friars; he's a legacy guy, but to still still got to win. He that was extremely impressive. And I'll tell you what, too. I, I it's about time for Kearney to go ahead and pop it. It's time for Kearney to go ahead and pop it. I feel like any chance he can get. I mean, he's been at Doak in the facility more than I have, and like the last six months, I swear to God, it was I, like I when like, I. Sorry to interrupt you, but it was like when I saw when we saw Turnitin on Monday, I mean, he just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I believe he was, he was walking back up like Atkins and uh, I think Kashawn Sapp walked outside. Um, and then they started walking back up and I was like, is that Roderick Kearney? And sure enough, um, he didn't participate in the big man camp on Wednesday, but still, I mean, got to yep. spend at least a day or two in Tallahassee around some of the current players. So I'm sure that had to be a, good experience for him he's very very impressive to watch whenever we got to go see him earlier on a couple months or about a month ago we got to go see him at the elite camp and very impressive to watch in person i spent a little bit of time watching coach atkins coach him up but really really coachable kind of guy and listens to coach atkins and it just seems like it's just going to happen eventually you'd like for it to happen earlier but um you can see you know armella's posting on Instagram story, they're hanging out, listening to music in the car and stuff. And you can see that they have a lot of, uh, seems like he's spending time and staying night after night with a lot of the players. So it seems like Florida State's in by far the best spot out of any other college. And, you know, hope that uh, he might stick with Florida State if he goes, if he goes that way. Uh, let's go to this upcoming weekend real quick. Uh, eight official visits are expected to happen. 
Uh, you got Chris Parson, quarterback. You've got running back Samuel Singleton. This is a big one here. Running back Dalen Smothers. Another one, offensive tackle Lucas Simmons. You'd like to try to get on the null side there for Simmons. You got also Kendrick Folk here, defensive lineman. You got Tavion Godson, who's a defensive lineman. You got linebacker DeMarco Ward, defensive back Avery Stewart. And to wrap it up there, big, 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 big weekend here, D. Lou. What, what, what are the storylines to, to watch out for? Yeah, this is um, just a massive weekend for Florida State uh, on the cusp of the dead period, which begins, I believe, Monday, Monday at midnight. And that'll span through a, a couple weeks in July. So this is the last time for Florida State really to get official visitors on campus prior to the fall season, depending on whenever they open fall camp. Um, and I mean, it's big, you know, a lot of these guys, I think you could eventually see in tribe 23, depending on, on how this weekend goes. Um, Dalen Smothers and Samuel Singleton are probably the two, the top two running backs on the board in the class for Florida state. And, they would love to land both, and they've both been receptive um, to this point. Florida State right in the mix for them. Um, same thing with Lucas Simmons. I mean, a very highly regarded offensive tackle that has visited some of the top programs in the country, and he decided to give Florida State his last visit because of that relationship that the coaching staff has built with him, dating back to when he lived in Sweden. And Simmons is a guy that's going to commit shortly after this official visit, so if Florida State nails it. I mean, they could very well land him – as their left tackle in this 2023 class, um, Keldrick Falk earlier today set a July 5th commitment date. Florida State gets the last official visit. They get a chance to be on his mind going into that decision mode, which I think is huge. And they're right there with Auburn in this one. Um, Tavian Gadsden and DeMarco Ward, two guys that aren't really known on the recruiting circuit yet, but guys at Florida State really likes a lot and Again, you know, you're getting the the last. I don't know if they're planning to take official visits in the fall. We'll we'll figure that out on Sunday. But you're getting the last official visit of the summer, and I think both of them are, are candidates to make a decision sooner rather than later. Um, Avery Stewart, a guy who I believe he's from Alabama, Alabama FSU, or some of the schools on him. Um, it's going to be important to have him on campus for the next couple of days. And then going back to Chris Parson, you know, we're, we're going to see how it shakes out um, this weekend, getting him back in Tallahassee around the coaching staff. He was just here for the elite camp a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, it, it was interesting, you know, in, in his interview after the elite camp, he spoke about not having plans to visit other schools. And six days later, he's at Mississippi state a week after that, he officially visits SMU. So now for the first time since he was committed to FSU, he's taken two visits to two other programs. And um, it'll be important for the staff to sit down with him this weekend and, you know, just really figure out that situation and hopefully get it all straightened out because Florida State, they've made it clear they're going to take two quarterbacks in this class. Um, Parson, Glenn, Ricky Collins, the top three options at this point. And they want Parson to stick around. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. It's just, you know, it's a, a little bit of an odd scenario right now. Odd scenario. How would you want me to put it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's definitely odd in all aspects there and what's going on. And it just doesn't seem like, at least from the communication side, from Parson and Camp there to maybe media and um, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't seem like it's kind of being given. It's not being given whatsoever. So kind of just speculating and it's all up to what Florida state and the staff wants to do here. But I personally, you know, still highly want to have Chris Parson into this, into this uh, (laughs) class. Do what? Because I'm not speculating. (laughs) Florida state still wants them. They want them in this class. They they've been um, still communicating with them as much as they were before all of this, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a little bit of a concerning trend for Parson to take those two visits. And I believe he's been unfollowing a, a bunch of Florida state media. He's unfollowed me. He canceled the no game day journal. So hey, not know, me yet where, though, where there's, sm- where there's smoke, there's a fire. So I'm just interested. I'm interested to see if that fire gets put out over the next 48 hours while Parsons in Tallahassee before he heads to LA for uh, the elite 11 finals. So, Mm-hmm. We will just have to see. Speaking of that, Elite 11 Finals is on June 27th. Competing here, obviously, Chris Parson, Glenn, and also Ricky Collins, too, who is currently still committed to Purdue, but recently took an official visit to Florida State. Would fit Florida State's offense pretty well, and that is a target that they're after. So uh, that is on June 27th through the 30th, um, and so we'll have some coverage on that, obviously. Anything? Uh, no, that's practically wraps up recruiting. Let's jump into some basketball quick hitters as VZ is glued, glued to the screen <laughs> here as the NBA draft has begun. Usually every year, though, me and VZ are at least on here watching the NBA draft because Florida State, surprisingly, you know, Leonard Hamilton has able to been been pushing out these guys left and right early on in these drafts, but it doesn't seem to be the case this year. But there's some potential here for John Butler. To get drafted uh, early, you got Malik Osborne uh, later on, and then Anthony Polite, Raquan Evans. What, what, what's what are you what are you feeling right now, VZ, for some of these guys out of the Raquan basketball Evans. programs? <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely different from the last two years because you know we're, we're at the sixth pick, and by this time last year, someone had already gone. You know, you had Patrick Williams surprising everybody going fourth overall to Chicago two years ago, and then last year, you know, another surprising pick to some people with Toronto going with Scotty Barnes. Um, much different this year you know butler's got the best chance to be drafted out of anybody but it's still you know on the fence whether he's going to be drafted or not you know he's worked out with the trailblazers worked out with the hornets worked out with the grizzlies um i'm sure there's others that weren't reported um but we'll just have to see he's looking at a a late second round pick if he's going to be selected there's going to be teams that are intrigued by this skill set you know we've talked about it all process it's just at seven foot one, 175 pounds, it's tough. You know, it's going to take a team that probably has multiple second round picks to go, you know, we could take a flyer on a guy that, you know, obviously has a great skill set, just going to need some refinement. No matter what, he's going to spend at least one year, if not two years, in the G League, probably going to sign a two way contract. Um, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm not really going to be too glued in until about the 45th pick because that's when I'm expecting the, the buzz to start with him. And then with, with Polite and Osborne, I just I don't see a way they're drafted. They're both older prospects. And, you know, we, we've talked about this with the NBA draft before. They like their younger players. You don't normally see the, the older players get selected high or really selected at all unless they, they really have a great pre-draft process like Terrence Mann did a couple years ago where he just he did so well at the Portsmouth Invitational did well at the G League Combine, then did well at the NBA Combine to finally get selected. You know, it takes that kind of process. Osborne and Play didn't have that this year. So 
Uh, I'd be surprised if either of them got selected, but I absolutely expect them to be on a summer league roster um, in a couple weeks. To keep an eye on uh, a lot of these guys and see where they end up going. And then this is a uh, lot, a lot of recruiting stuff going on here for Leonard Hamilton, Taylor Bowen, Bowen, and then he's announcing on Saturday, and then you got Mataz Buzelis. <laughs> God, I mean, what are we doing here? Buzelis. What is it? What Mataz is it with Buzelis this offseason? Is my guess. What, are, what are we doing with these names this offseason? I mean, I, I feel like parents are just trying to make it so then they don't. It's not like a general name of like a Dustin or a Austin or a Logan. Like they got to make. Dude, he's from he's dudes. from Europe. I think I would assume. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> <What I said. laughs> I feel like you should. I don't know. That. I feel like you should know before you say it. Well, that's Dustin. So what are you expecting? Here? <laughs> He's probably from from Europe. I would never. I would never. I would never know. But anyways, these names are getting wild. But Mata Mataz. I'm gonna just say it, Mata. Buzelis is announcing Friday at midnight. Like, what are we doing? At, well, I guess that's so. Ba- so seas. basically, tonight, as probably before the podcast gets posted, uh, he will be committing. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa! Are you not believing in my editing and surgical no. skills to get it out quickly after no, this? No, I, I do not. This is why we record at seven, so I can get it out quicker. Uh-huh. That that's the reason. But sometimes during the off season, I will say it kind of goes up in the morning. But you know, hands are up, innocent. What are the updates with these guys? These guys, uh, we got we got some future Knowles here. It seems like Taylor so, Bowen. I've seen that on socials. It, it, it's Noles. interesting. You know, these are two high school teammates. They both play for Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. Um, so it, yeah, it'd, it'd be great because Buzelis is a top ten prospect in the twenty twenty three class. Bowen's a top forty prospect. Um, but as, as of right now, it looks like Buzelis is leaning towards the pro route for the G League. Um, whereas it seems like Taylor Bowen will be committing to Florida State, which will be, I believe, the first commitment of the 23 class. Um, and that's a, that's a big one to get at, at six foot nine, really athletic. Um, just fits that Florida State mold, just long, athletic, jumps off the floor in a hurry. So I'd like to put out an apology, an apology message because Boozalis is from Chicago. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, of course. But I bet his parents are. Well, <laughs> and it, <laughs> no, don't even start going back. Now we're gonna go trace the. Someone in his family there. line is from Europe. That's well, that's we all friggin' are, aren't we? We're fr- we're not from America. Got, got a point. I'm, See, I'm from America. Well, not your family heritage. What are you Irish? You're too white. You gotta be Irish. I'm Irish and Indian. Hmm. I'm just gonna. Native American, I guess. Okay. That's that's the correct term. They didn't give you the tan, did they? Apparently not. I mean, (laughs) what happened? They did not give you the tan. They went full Irish on that, buddy. They did not give you the tan. It's all right, though. It's okay. But yeah, so we're we're keeping an eye on we're keeping an eye on these guys. Definitely keeping an eye on Bowen. Saturday at three thirty, I believe he's committed on CBS Sports. Thirty. Um, he's he's got. You know, he's, he's got big dreams. He's, as he said in a couple of interviews, he's trying to be the first ever NBA player from the state of Vermont. Um, Trey's born and raised. He has Vermont in his top six, um, as well as Duke, Iowa, a couple other schools. But it's a very talented player. You have it on the Discord. What is going on? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm waiting, but I didn't know it was going to come up right now. I was going to wait till you were done. But of course, that comes up and it says, damn right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but Bowen's Bowen's the t- he's a Florida State. He looks like a Florida State player, you know. He kind of looks like Baba Miller that they just got from Spain and Real Madrid. Very similar frame, very similar skill sets. Um, Bowen definitely needs to work on a shot. He's, he's shown some capabilities where he has a little bit of step back, but he kind of has that Matthew Cleveland form where it's more up. It's like more straight up than it should be. Um, but, you know, he, he's still young, very talented. Um, I know Dustin saw him on campus, uh, what was it, two weeks ago with Coach Jones and Coach Smith. Um, yeah, it was about two weeks ago. And Co- Coach Jones has been all over this recruitment. You know, Bowen's been very complimentary of Coach Jones, saying this, this is a guy I talk to all the time. Um, and at this point, I think he'd be surprised if he went anywhere other than Florida State. I think Providence is, you know, in second, but they just got a commitment themselves a couple of days ago. So, so looking Florida State for Bowen, which huge pickup for the 23 class. Mm, that would be big. Which one do I have a better chance of dunking on? Neither. <laughs> no, there's got to be one. Honest question. Honest question. Can you touch net? The can net? you dunk? Can oh, you dunk stop. without someone in front of you? Is the question we need to ask? Hundred percent. Done it multiple times. Can you touch net? Done it numerous times. I'll have to. I have to do what you do, VZ, and get the video camera out and film myself. I'll, I'll show me dunking on somebody. I, Dustin, I, you're my. You're gonna be my. I will victim. pay money for an unedited vi- video of Logan dunking. So you, unedited. so you can confirm that you edit your videos on a ten no. foot goal. Make sure to make sure to put that correct in there. on a ten foot goal, unedited. Oh, I'm six. I'm six three six four. So that's pretty pretty. You're six bad. four now. He's five nine. By the way, five nine. Get it? All right. Now we're being silly. Now we're being silly. Now we're on, now we're being silly. <laughs> they better hope that New Orleans doesn't have a basketball court near us. Easy. Oh, they do. We'll find it. Hopefully I can, you know, walk. Normal. We'll find you a track to finally race Carlos too. Wow, oh, he ain't making it over there. I'm just saying you, you've you've I've talked tried. about your you've talked about your athletic feats before, and then I've tried with Los. He, it never made, transpires. In I've anything. sent texts. I should he, screenshot him. He makes a lot of claims with no follow up. <laughs> I don't want to call him out on Twitter. I don't want to, you know, ever share conversations on Twitter. But Carlos Williams does know that I've tried to do it before a spring game. Tried to do it before a big football game. Just doesn't want to do it. And I was gonna. I was even gonna drink a couple beers to. before. It. There's no reason. There's no reason for him. Nah, to he 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 does. He does. He, well, maybe I'm ninety five percent certain. If you're running forwards, he could beat you running backwards. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! He's got his own training thing here now in Tallahassee. So I might just swing by and just just get that on video. Just to kind of regular day Tallahassee. Just go over there and. Race list and take care of them. Um, this is Ken here. We've not seen Ken in the comments before, but just to finish off the podcast, this is FSU fan here from Arizona, originally from South Georgia. What are your feelings for this year's team? Quick well, yeah, and easy. You know, I think the basketball teams, you know, it's young, <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of experience, uh, but I think they have high potential. You know, it could have a good. Season. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think basketball has a helmet unless it's something new now for concussion protocol. I don't think basketball has a helmet now, but Ken, um, gotta win, gotta win, Ken. It's nice and pretty simple though. Um, but if you're on Facebook, hit that share button, share with your friends, but no, you gotta get, gotta get the wins. Gotta help for recruiting here. I would highly suggest once this is done, Aaron scroll all the way back and listen to the beginning. We had uh, Brian Stork on here. So, you caught us right when we're wrapping up, though. Dustin, what are your thoughts real quick on uh, the feelings of this year's team? 
It all, it all comes down to the health of Jordan Travis. Uh, if he can be your starter for 11 or 12 games, you've got to be feeling really good about getting back to the postseason. If he goes down early with an injury and you have to rely on Rodemaker or A.J. Duffy to to step up and lead you to wins, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, it, it's going to come down to Travis, and then I think you have enough experience as well as you're adding some talent on defense that that group over there is going to be pretty formidable as well. So Florida State, they've got the makings of a between a six to eight win team, I feel like, in 2022, and it's just going to come down on a couple different factors playing in their direction. A lot more of a lengthy answer than I gave. So, Ken, a lot better. But I do highly suggest jumping into our Discord. Ken, if you do like to stay up to date with Florida State Athletics all around, uh, this is free to join. If you guys are on YouTube right now, the link is down below, and you can join that right now. It's free, easy to get in there with your account. But as you can see, we've got channels for everything imaginable in here. Up here, we've got game day channels, which are live events or things coming up soon that we all are discussing in here with about, I don't know how many messages are sent all throughout here, but we've got 2022 football season and get ready and stay in touch with recruiting, which uh, Dustin and Nate do a great job of. We've got transfer portal scoopage there and we got basketball too. We care about our basketball people like Austin Vizi. We still care about him after we forgot about what happened last year on the basketball You care so team. much, you haven't even opened the basketball messages. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. These are, these are really exposing what I do and do not open. Why do you app. have a Discord with 823 notifications? Uh, that's Gary V, so that makes total sense for that to happen. That does not make sense. That is a busy Dude, Discord. Dude, you realize you can right-click and mark as red and move on with your life? You really can? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to read your messages. That's tough. Yeah, no, I don't uh, don't do that. But yeah, we've got all different kinds of channels in here. You can talk NFL, NBA, MLB, everything, everything. You can talk food even, and even if you have late night feelings, you can jump in here. I'm not going to open that one don't whatsoever please, here. I will not be opening that one live here on YouTube. But uh, yeah, everybody, go join that. The Discord's going to we're going to start popping out a lot more stuff here now that we're getting closer to the season. So I highly suggest jumping in there. It's been very, very, very active in the last couple of weeks. So. Jump in there and hang out with us and chat it up while we are not live. We go live every Thursday night. Definitely appreciate everybody hanging out. The last two episodes have been kicking on all the downloads. Appreciate everybody on iTunes or Apple and Spotify for um, getting all these episodes downloaded onto their phones. Definitely appreciate it a ton. Shout out to, to Brian Stork. That was a really, really good interview. Um, that we had with him i'm looking forward to hopefully maybe grabbing him later on once the season starts to maybe help preview the florida game with us so great interview there thanks brian for coming on as always listen to the podcast on itunes google play spotify we're available on podcasts so if you don't like looking at us then you can just listen to us and i highly suggest doing that a little bit more so thanks everybody enjoy the rest of y'all's week we will be live next week with i don't know which guest it will be i hope it'll be somebody but yeah appreciate it everybody have a great rest of y'all's week bye Same color t-shirt Mama told me not to sell work